on the policies of the current administration in Washington. These policies grow out of what I now see as a deformed lifestyle, a condition of involuntary affluence that oppresses even the supposed beneficiaries by its imposed obligations. For most Americans, this affluence is either beyond their reach or slipping away, as the U.S. economy is twisted further and further out of equilibrium. The affluence affects them nonetheless. What I discovered in Thailand with Rana was a happiness that comes from a greater simplicity, much as we experienced in the United States when we were younger. In the small provincial city of Payao, in northern Thailand, we lived out of two suitcases in a single dormitory room with no kitchen. We had no car. We walked each night to dine in a modest restaurant by the highway that had a roof but no walls. There the prices were cheap, fantastically so for us, but inexpensive also for Thais. The newly opened restaurant was crowded with all kinds of people, from students to the rich and their families. Night after night we dined at the same table with Thai professionals, some of whom became our best friends. America presents a sad contrast to this more simple existence. Here my closet is crowded with clothing I seldom wear, and the kitchen with gadgets we seldom use. Our commitments in Berkeley are so widespread that we own two cars, and the high prices in restaurants dissuade us from seeing friends, except very occasionally and in small numbers. This personal account is anecdotal, of course, and some of our happiness in Thailand should perhaps be attributed to luck. Nevertheless, we saw vividly in Thailand what the echo philosopher E.F. Schumacher learned in Burma, now Myanmar, a half-century earlier. Small is beautiful, less is more. Happiness is found close to the necessities of life, not in needless complexity and meaningless multiplicity of choice. I believe these lessons have important political consequences. When speaking and writing about what I find wrong in America's exploitation of the third world, I have observed that a healthier policy may require cutbacks in the current lavish style of many Americans, particularly in our consumption of oil and gas. After my experience in Thailand, I see much more clearly how the current political overreaching of U.S. policy into the oil-rich regions of Azerbaijan, Iraq, and even Kyrgyzstan is grounded in the social malaise of habitual, unchosen, and even unwanted affluence. Like Schumacher, I need to relate this perspective to questions of spirituality. America is and always has been a deeply spiritual country. But that spirituality is not communally shared among all Americans. On the contrary, the country is now divided rather than united by strongly held fundamentalist religious beliefs. Almost everyone Rana and I met in northern Thailand was Buddhist. But even the few Christians and Muslims we encountered during our stay exhibited a common spirituality with the majority. This spirituality expressed itself in how the Thais lived. People were extraordinarily generous. We received gifts even from virtual strangers. People seemed relatively uninterested in possessions or money. For example, when two dormitory cleaning women came in at my request to clean our room, they were very reluctant to accept any money. Myow, myow, we don't want it. The ties we got to know very well were like Americans, in that they sought, competitively, the best possible education for their children. For themselves, however, they seemed much more interested in enjoying the life they already had than in advancement or promotion. No doubt this was a consequence of our living in a small provincial city. After our stay in Payao, I wondered what experience I might gain from living in a small American town. Then by chance, thanks to a grant from the Lennon Foundation, I was able for two months in 2004 to become familiar with two small towns in West Texas, Marfa and Fort Davis. Until this experience, Texas had always seemed somewhat alien to me, as the source of presidents and policies that we in Berkeley were always voting against. 
but what a pleasure to find essentially the same virtues in West Texas that Rana and I had enjoyed in Payal. Simplicity, generosity, friendship, considerateness, and also spirituality, even among people who were not so-called believers or churchgoers. My two months in Texas made clearer to me than ever before the gap between the American people and their leaders. During this same period, the U.S. government was revealed to have engaged in torture, arbitrary detentions, illegal eavesdropping, and the punitive destruction of Iraqi cities like Fallujah. My despair about the country developed into a confidence that the war in Iraq, along with the horrors that have accompanied it elsewhere, would become increasingly unpopular. My experience in Texas reinforced my vision of America as a country that is healthiest at the level of local community, but culturally underdeveloped and divided, and thus vulnerable to special interests at the higher levels. The United States has not yet fully healed the divisions that surfaced during the Civil War. The healing efforts to overcome those divisions in the Civil Rights Movement of the 1960s...